Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Jack Allison. Jack, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. How are you doing, Leslie? I'm doing great. Jack, it's summertime, baby. It is. That's right. You know, I've, I've, I've gone to the beach. I got, I got myself uh, a sunburn, and I was laid up in bed for a week. I am white, Leslie. It sucks. It sucks. That, that's what summer is for me. That's the mistake you made, Jack. You went outside for summer. Summer is not about going outside. It's right. about staying inside and right. enjoying all the new content that's coming to you. Uh, new get new movies and, of course, new video games. So today we're talking about Summer Games Fest slash not E3. Because yeah. it was supposed to be E3, but E3 got canceled. You know, they realize they don't need to actually rent the Los Angeles Convention Center for everyone to put out the trailers for their video games. So they just, like, put them out anyway. Yeah, there was a bit of hullabaloo. There was, like, um... Jeff Keighley, which, you know, honestly, it's like, how is this the only, like, video game celebrity that exists? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how is this, like, the talk show you know, host of video games, the the sole survivor of the, you know, Adam Sessler, you know, Morgan Webb, all these people, only Jeff Keeley survived. Well, well, Jack, you're forgetting one, Chris Hardwick. Oh, but he sure. kind of moved up. He transcended. He moved up to, to game show host. Yeah. Which announcement of the many, many, many that went on was the most exciting for you? It's hard to say that this is exciting. But I am excited that they are going to continue to work on the Final Fantasy VII remake. (laughs) It's like hard to call that exciting because we know that it's going to happen because they released the first one. It would be very funny if they only (laughs) released the first Final Fantasy VII remake and never finished it. Um, But yeah, that's the one, you know, I I really did like that Final Fantasy VII remake. I liked the the Yuffie DLC. and uh, yeah, I, I, I liked that trailer and I was excited that they're actually going to keep releasing these. What we've done, that's set in stone. The past is forever. But the future, even if it has been written, can be changed. So focus on the future, not the past. He wants to finish what he started. He wants to reclaim his birthright and rule over the planet with Genova at his side. I saw you lying there. I figured it was too late. Wait, what are you implying? That I died? That I'm some kind of imposter? You were here with me five years ago. Where are you? What happened to you? I'm trying so hard to find you. Sorry. Feel like I failed you. The trailer wasn't for like any gameplay. It was just Cloud and Sephiroth walking and then you see Cloud and Zack walking and then that was basically it. 
I think we sort of like are foreshadowing when they when they go to that like town, you know, where Tifa and Cloud were from and they see everything like destroyed and everything like that. Again, it's like hard to even call this exciting because <laughs> I'm like, we're going to get to see that part in Final Fantasy seven, the game we already played, you know, again. But, you know, I did like that game and I do like Final Fantasy seven. So that was the kind of the big, the exciting one for me. Well, there was also news on Final uh, Fantasy 16. We got a n- new trailer with a, a significant amount of gameplay. The storyline actually seems a little bit interesting. It s- seems very heavily influenced by like Game of Thrones. It yeah. had like a very George vibe to it. I, it feels like they're throwing back to like Final Fantasy 1 through 4 or something like that, where it's like very strictly medieval, no fucking... Um, you know steampunk yeah no steampunk anything just like fully medieval you know elden ring style yeah i did i really dug the kaiju battles between the summons like that looked really actually kind of fun i don't know what the gameplay would be like uh the gameplay is probably you watch a cutscene of it happen after you summon them (laughs) but uh we'll see maybe there's maybe there's more to it than that one announcement that i was genuinely excited for was the Callisto Protocol, aka uh, what should what EA should be putting out as Dead Space like four or the Dead Space reboot? Because this is by the same team that made the original Dead Space, except they're not being constantly fucked with by the corporate by <laughs> Electronic Arts, so it might actually live up to its full potential. It looks uh, very good, looks very familiar. I'll have to say it. It, it does look like everything we've seen in dead space before but better brighter shinier next gen i'm i'm excited for it because i feel like dead we could have gotten a a bit more dead space especially a dead space like the original trailer was pretty cool like you know dark sci-fi and i read a fucked up interview with them where they were like one of our inspirations for how we designed the death in this game was we looked at real photos of like actual gore in real life and i was like well that doesn't sound fun to do but you know Maybe it'll be cool for the design of the game. Um, yeah, this the the director of Dead Space is back, and he's still obsessed with shooting limbs off of creatures in space. I I don't know that I've actually like beaten any of the Dead Space games. I'm not as like into them as you are, Leslie. Uh, but I guess I'm happy that these people have broken out of EA and get to do their own thing. Isn't that like so often now like? the you know the story of almost like every video game now is that it's like oh i liked you know halo one and two and then the developers had to like break off and go make their own thing like that's like the tale of every single game now because these you know massive corporations just own the the ip um and end up like running everything into the ground speaking of jack you put on our list to check out aliens dark descent I'm not really sure what to make of this one. Is it like an XCOM or something like that? Um, This is one of these trailers for a game where, you know, the first, like, 80% of the trailer is just watching, like, an animated movie, pretty much. And then, like, right at the end, there's a little bit of what the gameplay looks like. But the idea of it being, like, a top-down, isometric, you know, squad-based alien game does seem kind of cool to me. Uh, Jack, it's not like XCOM. I think it's going to be like a twin stick shooter, like a co-op twin stick shooter. 
which is a lot less exciting uh, to me personally. Uh, I guess I would like to see an isolation sequel. It, it, it feels like the Alien license is one that they will like sell pretty easily. You know, it seems like I, I don't know who controls the Alien license. I guess it's Fox at this point, but they're like, you know, let's just get out some games with the, with the Xenomorph <laughs> in it. Leslie, I may eat my words on this. I think it's an untested studio. Um, I don't know that they've made one of these types of games before, but I am tentatively excited for the One Piece JRPG. They are putting out uh, a One Piece JRPG that is going to be turn-based battles set parallel to the actual canon of One Piece. This trailer did get me excited to play it. And I think that One Piece, you know, and the characters and all their powers, like I do think it will translate well and would fit well for a JRPG. I have read people talking about this game and they say that this team has never made a JRPG before and it could just be (laughs) another licensed game that, you know, uh, doesn't end up working out. But like the potential and the idea of what this One Piece game could be does have me excited. And I like the look of it, too. Seems like a natural fit. Um, It's actually shocking there aren't more JRPGs based on big anime properties at right? this point. But yeah, but I mean, that's interesting. I, I might even check it out, even though I'm not like a One Piece fan, like being able to dive into that world instead of reading like uh, several hundred vo- volumes of manga. Maybe I just play a 60 hour video game. It's only 102 oh. volumes of manga. It's, it's, it's uh, about 1,050 chapters that you'd have to read. Okay. And okay. I recommend it. And I do recommend it. I'm caught up. I'm caught up on One Piece. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm current. All right. One announcement that I was super, super excited for. There wasn't even a picture. It was just like the logo. <laughs> but I think this is actually the thing that on the timeline, at least, most people were excited for. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Dogma 2. Sure. Dragon's Dogma, Dogma 2 finally gets announced. I've been talking about this game since like, we've been on this podcast. If you like Elden Ring, you have to thank Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma walked with wolves so Elden Ring could run. It's such an underappreciated gem. I've played it several times and I'm so excited that it finally has a sequel after 10 years. They basically were holding the director hostage and making him make (laughs) other games because Dragon's Dogma is like his real passion project he was trying to make basically make a rpgs like not boring to fight in mm-hmm. to bring like the uh the combat style of like a street fighter or a final fight or more uh contemporaneously like a monster hunter to an rpg game with a deep story and all that and they really succeeded it's very very good and but they basically were making him make these other games so that he could find and, and like dangling dra- the sequel to dragon's dogma <laughs> 2 in front of him uh, but he's finally working on it, and they finally announced it, and I'm super stoked. The reveal for this is basically just a man reveals a Dragon's Dogma 2 t-shirt. That's like the reveal video that they put out, more or less, but uh, I'm excited. I know a lot of people are excited about this, and so I, I stand in solidarity, excited with you. You awake in the middle of a desolate hellscape filled with biomechanical contraptions Part flesh, part machine. An industrial civilization now lying in decay and ruin. A hidden fauna sleeps within the underbelly of the world, wanting nothing more than to be left undisturbed. 
Scorn has been carefully crafted with great attention to detail. Everything is focused on building a specific atmosphere. From a unique organic ecosystem to an unsettling soundscape created by Ethek and Lustmord. Scorn has no dialogue, so most of the storytelling comes from the environment. Discovering the ever-present symbiotic relationships and how things are connected equips you with the tools to progress. While there is shooting within the game, Scorn is not a shooter. Another sci-fi horror game that I was super excited about and looked extremely creepy folks you have to see this trailer just yeah for like even if you're not in the video games i would recommend watching this if you're it because this was basically like cronenberg mixed with giger and through the lens of like i don't nihei the manga cup behind blame just a very very creepy uh a sci-fi adventure called Scorn. I do. I, I have to echo what you're saying that the trailer is just like, like kind of does stick with you the way the trailer is done. Um, it's just kind of explaining, you know, that there are guns in this game, but this is not a shooting game. The guns all look like biological or something like that. Everything looks biological. Yeah. It's all this weird, creepy biotech. And you're like, it's like an immersive sim, the narrator on the trailer is actually Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead. So there's a little bit of Barker-esque oh, wow. stuff in there, uh, obviously. And there is some combat, but mostly it's like puzzle solving with these gnarly, grotesque, like meat-based puzzles. Yeah. Like, cause, like it's just like flesh and meat mixed with metal, and that's what all the tech is. Like it's super creepy looking, super cool. It looks like Cronenberg Doom or something like that. Yes, really wild. Yeah. All right. And finally, another trailer that I was very interested in because it reminded me and people were saying this in the comments is a type of game that will, will have come out on like PS3 or Xbox sure. 360, yeah. but just does not exist anymore, really. And that's yeah. Evil West. Yeah. What I liked about this one, I watched the gameplay trailer. This one just looks like a straight up video gamey game you know yes. like i i love a game that is just a fucking it looks like crackdown or something like that yeah it, it reminds me a lot of shadow of the damned which was a game that came in the wake of resident evil 4 which we should mention uh, a big announcement was that they are doing a remake of resident evil 4 and yeah, I wasn't excited for it because, again, I don't think that's a game that really needs to be remade. Like, I thought the HD up resolution was sufficient. I don't think the, the gameplay itself, I don't think, needs to be changed significantly. In fact, I wish more games like it were coming out. And uh, and this and this game, Evil West, is very much in that mold, that very much video gamey mold, that old school third person shooter mold that has kind of been lost. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I, I would agree, first of all, that I don't think Resident Evil 4 needs to be remade. Uh, and I would also add, where's Code Veronica? Where's Code Veronica? We all know we all know that the actual storyline continues with Code Veronica. And while there is a bunch of weird stuff in Code Veronica, that's the one that needs the, you know, the the Resident Evil 2 remake and Resident Evil 3 remake treatment. That's like where the story goes from those ones. Uh, why are we remake? I, I don't understand what they're doing. And unless they're going to like 
switch the entire thing up and do Resident Evil 4 as like a fixed camera tank controls game, I'm like, I'm not sure what we're doing here um, <laughs> with, you know, with remaking this one. Evil West looks like fun. I don't know that it's one that I'll like necessarily like be the first to go by or anything like that, but it, it just seems like it's like a, a video gamey video game. Um, and I like the kind of, you know, the, the, the mix of, of genres here, I think is a fun one. Yeah. It looks kind of like what a Jonah Hex tie-in game would have been. Yeah. If the, if the movie, if had they had a made a Jonah Hex game. Yeah. This is what it should have been. And so moving on, we played a lot of demos that were That's on. Right. Yeah, a lot came out for free on Summer Game Fest. As always, free gaming, you can't beat that. You know, over the last couple of days, I'm like, I had like five or six hours of just like zero dollars. And they're not even trying to make me buy loot boxes. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> free gaming, like the way they do it with Diablo and the way they do it with Overwatch and everything like that. And then there's free gaming like demos. Uh, demos are the real free to play, folks. All these demos were available on Steam. Most of them, I think, are going to stay on the store. Some of them, they might take off because this is the official Summer Game Fest. We must respect this um, important holiday, this most oh, important sure. holiday going on this weekend. Um, no, nothing else <laughs> that we're acknowledging <laughs> besides Summer Game That's Fest. That's just what the three-day weekend was for, right? Was yeah, summer, yeah. Summer Games Fest? Yeah, uh, Juneteenth, what? Um, yeah, sure. All right, but some of the demos we played. Uh, Jack, which one did you like the most? SCP Secret Files. I like thought was really, really atmospheric and really creepy, and I feel like that's the one that maybe like drew me in the most. You know, uh, uh, almost surprising me. It's this really weird, you know, first person horror kind of game that I guess is based on you know, exploring these like paranormal cases um, and you get to play through this whole first case and it's this bizarre, you know, laboratory where they were putting on a play with these mannequins and it kind of, you know, it it's very atmospheric. It, it gives me kind of um, Five Nights at Freddy's, but, you know, actually a game kind of feeling. And yeah, I, I, had, I had a lot of fun with it and it really drew me in. And that demo is like a full hour or something. So SCP Secret Files is based on this website. SCP means secure, contain and protect. And it's this really cool website. The simplest way to explain it is you remember Cabin of the Woods, that organization that was keeping all the monsters from all the different movies and the, oh, sure, and the little yeah. sale. That's basically the idea behind this. But th gotcha. these are like stories and creatures and uh, creepypasta that people, like regular people, are submitting and submitting images for and all kinds of cool stuff. So they're making a game basically tying in with this website. And the case you're referring to uh, that's in the game is from the website as well. So it's, it's basically bringing like a wiki to life in video games. It felt, it felt really cool. It felt like this is kind of where of the level to which like indie games should be, you know, like it wasn't super polished, but it still was very atmospheric and creepy. And I had a really good time playing that demo. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the, the case uh, was very reminiscent of Robert Chambers, the King in Yellow, which is, uh, of course, referenced in uh, True Detective and also referenced in another game uh, that we played, Signalis. Signalis is very, very cool, too. Uh, a kind of this one is almost like Resident Evil ish. And I, yes. and I say that in the like classic Resident Evil. Yeah, it's absolute. It's absolute. It's 100 percent 
old school Resident Evil 1, 2 vibes. It just, it has a, like a isometric type view and the, this sort of low poly pixel art, which looks fantastic. And looks cool. it really has a great mood and sets, and it actually feels more like a game that would have come out straight up on the PS1 mm-hmm. if there wasn't like a PS2. If, there, if we didn't upgrade the graphics, how would you update the gameplay? How would you uh, change up the survival horror genre? And they, this game does some really interesting stuff, like taking, first of all, using that far future hard sci-fi set setting and instead of you know zombies it's these weird like extra dimensional aliens and then there's also these elements where it's like first person perspectives and you're like solving puzzles uh, that way and it's just a really and mixes the gameplay up while the resident evil games didn't really do that as much this game like just takes you know it surprised me a lot and when it got to the end it just like was so weird and creepy and then there was the king in yellow reference it's just it almost got like almost like david lynch towards the end like like the um resident evil series has a lot of camp in the horror this one does not this one is just trying to like scare you and freak you out yeah this, it was cool um and i really like this kind of movement in modern indie games of kind of like going back to N64 and PlayStation era kind of look and feel. Because number one, you know, that look and feel was cool. And number two, you don't need like a budget of half of a billion dollars to accomplish it. But it's such a fun atmospheric game. And I think the look is so cool. And yeah, I like the, the format of the old Resident Evil games. And I'm glad someone's picking up the torch as Resident Evil has become this completely over-the-shoulder third-person shooter thing. I think that's a theme with all, basically all the games uh, yeah. we play demos of is that they're picking up a torch yep. uh, that was kind of dropped by the big studios. Uh, and so speaking of which, uh, this is one that I saw made a splash, and there's a de- demo available on Steam. Agent 64, Spies Never Die. What would you think of that, Leslie? I thought it was great. I, I, I've I, never... So obviously it was referenced to the old GoldenEye games on Nintendo 64, mm-hmm. I've never played those games. I want to go back and play those games. Oh, wow. Playing this. They are a little rough to play now, to be honest with you. Like, we're just used to... They're, they're very slow compared to, like, you know, what games are now. So, so it can take some kind of getting used to to go back and play those. Uh, I think Agent 64 does a really good job of really having that GoldenEye 64 vibe to it, um, but still having the sort of speed and Twitch gameplay that we're more used to of modern games. Like this, this you can kind of look around really fast, you can move really fast, but it has the very smooth and appealing auto-aim, which was kind of like the secret of GoldenEye that they got rid of, you know? This like, that Bond kind of like, curves the gun to like find enemies on the screen uh, which works really well in this it was so satisfying every and it felt like every bullet counted like every time the bullet went in it counted that also reminds me of another news story that happened during this game fest they changed up ps plus and add in a bunch 
mm. of games uh, to the service. And the game I went straight to was Siphon Filter, which had the same sort of auto aim. A lot more fun than playing a lot of modern shooters where it's just like you were shooting uh, numbers at a thing until the numbers uh, fall off. Put the reticle on the pixel. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty much what a lot of modern games are. It's like, you know, can you very accurately get the uh, cursor onto the right pixel on the screen? Like, there are kind of other things that can make first-person shooters fun and shooting games fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a blast uh, with this one. I'll definitely play it. And I also like, hey, a first-person shooter with objectives. Yeah. In a single player game. That's nice as well. That's fun uh, to explore. You know, between between this and um, SCP, I was like, I was I realized kind of, oh, I really like first person games. I really like just first person games in general. I think that's a great way to draw me into a game. All right. And another one that drew me in another first person. And this one. It it has retro graphics, but the gameplay is like nothing I've played before, and that's Lorne's Lore. It's a weird this, one. This is a atmospheric uh, first person platformer with this unique climbing ability, and you're it's set in this massive brutalist uh, architecture where it's like you're tr you're going through this like apocalyptic wasteland where everything is just made of like concrete and metal you know where as in scorn everything was flesh and metal this is all concrete and metal and it's just very creepy and opp oppressive and claustrophobic and you gotta make all these really really difficult jumps but it's actually not that hard because it does let you reset fairly quickly uh, yeah. but you do die a lot in this game but i i found this a uh, very interesting experience and a game I'm looking forward to. Even though I'm not big into like puzzle games and it's ultimately like a puzzle platformer, this one really sucked me in. Yeah, I um I, I thought the world of this was really cool. I thought the look of this was really cool. I'm not the biggest fan of jumping puzzles, but I, I kind of agree with you that it was like kind of unlike any other game I've played before. And I'm just glad that people are able to make these kind of lo-fi, you know, weird games with, you know, just I don't know, different different gameplay than we played before. This this feels almost more like actually a parkour game than even Mirror's Edge did. Oh, yes. I, I actually really liked Midnight Fight Express, a kind of new take on, it felt almost like Streets of Rage or something like that, but from like an isometric viewpoint. I thought it was a lot like a Hotline Miami at first. Oh, yeah. but, then, but then when you get into the combat, it's basically like the Arkham series combat. So yeah, it has it a little bit of mix of mix of, of uh, several different kind of games and gameplay styles, but it really works a lot. Of, and it was one of the more popular games on the Game Fest charts, and you can see why, just because it's just a game you can jump into immediately, have a lot of fun, do a lot of cool moves, but it also is complex where you can get a lot better at it if you practice. Yeah, I, I was having fun with it. I, I think the look of it is really cool. I think the gameplay has like a nice rhythm to it. It's also kind of an interesting way to do one of these kind of just street brawler games, you know. It, it's Sometimes it's as simple as just like switch up the camera angle and, you know, maybe it feels like a different type of game. One game I'm, I've am i been looking forward to for years. In fact, I, I think I supported the Kickstarter for this. I don't know if that makes it like a conflict of interest. Oh, to talk boy, about you're it. a producer. You're a producer on this game. <laughs> yeah. uh, a little bit dicey. Maybe we'll talk to the <laughs> podcast union about sure. it. But yeah. uh, There Is No Light 
And this is this game is very interesting to me because it's again going back to the SNES and the type a type of game that got stopped being made after the SNES. This sort of secret of mana, uh, you know, top down RPG, but with modern sensibilities. Like it's uh, very heavily influenced by like horror and Bloodborne. It's like if Bloodborne and Secret of mana like came together is that sort of game is very creepy very cool and it has like deep rpg uh elements to it along with being like a very uh, very complex action game if the gameplay actually felt a lot like hades uh when i was playing it so i had a great time with it this game has gotten a lot bigger than its initial proposal was a much smaller game and much more like a souls game but it's gone in a very very different direction i'm very interested in the finished product it was really cool i played this one uh the look of this is kind of like almost unlike any kind anything i've seen before you know which is fun uh it does have that super nintendo but you know, it's like Super Nintendo, but on a powerful gaming PC. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like Super Nintendo couldn't handle this, but they're you know still doing it in the old pixel style. And yeah, I thought that I thought the you know the the fighting was really smooth and really fun, and the world is just so creepy and bizarre. Like all the cutscenes were so like the cutscenes are almost out of like you know, hyper, hyper card games or something like that with the weird, like, you know, black and white and fades and everything. Um, really cool game. Uh, really worth uh, checking out the demo of that one. The story is like you live in a town that has basically made a deal with some demons and you're part of the cult. And now like hell has come to pay and like, uh, and you're like fighting against it's uh -oh. so, it's so fucking creepy. I, yeah. I really, really dig it. I like how many horror games uh, yeah. we got. Horror, yeah, horror is working these days. Horror is uh, is is coming up. And the last demo we played, again, going back uh, to the sure. old school, going back to uh, gameplay style. In fact, the game series that has unfortunately been abandoned, yeah. Undetected. Yeah, Undetected was interesting. So Undetected is very clearly and obviously uh, very Metal Gear Solid 1 inspired. Yucatan, Mexico, June 7, 2063. <laughs> a cell of the revolutionary group Los Bazados, including their leader, Gloria, has gone missing while on operations around the site <laughs> of Chicxulub Perpetual Energy Station. Yeah. It wears its influence on its sleeve, but it mixes it up. It simplifies the gameplay like a lot. Like one thing I found interesting immediately, if you aren't in light, you aren't seen. If you mm -hmm. are in light, you are that makes it so much simpler and straightforward. It's an interesting game. It almost feels like Metal Gear Solid, like arcade or something like that, mm. which I really enjoy. It feels like it's, yeah, like a simplified, you know, Metal Gear. And that, that is very, a lot more specifically just about the uh, stealth. And I, I think it was interesting that while this game is so clearly Metal Gear inspired, they also like stepped away from Metal Gear and yes. changed some of the rules of the way it worked and changed some of the ways, you know, that, uh, yeah, that, that you're able to, to do this stealth. I thought it was a really fun game. Cool. I mean, honestly, it feels like they were trying to make a mobile phone version yeah. of Metal Gear Solid. And then they, but they thought about the gameplay good enough. That it's like, oh shit, this is kind of like a legit game. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's, it was pretty solid. And it's interesting to play a kind of like Metal Gear knockoff that's not just about like the weird plot or something like that. And is like somebody else thinking like, how could I make stealth into interesting gameplay? Yeah, that one was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. If you checked out any of the demos from Games Fest, please be sure to tell us at sesh.show. Drop us a voicemail. Hit us up on that hotline. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Blue Wire for sponsoring the show. Folks, that was Struggle Session. Have a good one. Peace. Later. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? 
Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.